if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Part of why I created the show is largely based on my interactions with people wanting more sexually and not knowing what the more is. Personally, I didn't know what the more was either until it was right in front of my face. The more that I'm going to be talking about today is the world of BDSM, bondage, discipline, dominance, sadomasochism, and submission. On my journey to epic sex and deeply fulfilling relationships, the story I'm about to tell really shaped me and showed me a world I didn't even know existed. Not only did it open me to what was possible sexually, it opened me up to the greatest possibilities within myself. At the end of the episode, that's where you might want to grab a pen and paper to take notes as I will share how you can explore the world of BDSM yourself. But first, I want to share a very personal story. 
one that I have yet to tell publicly. So many of you may know that before I became a sex coach and started working for myself, I lived on luxury cruise ships. I lived on cruise ships for almost six years as an art director. And the first four years of the six, I was in a relationship. I was engaged and that relationship taught me a lot about life. I was in that relationship from about 22 years old all the way until goodness, four years later. (laughs) And throughout that relationship, there was a lot of ups and downs. It was very, like I said, tumultuous. And um, I had my first real experiences with being in a relationship where there was a lot of lying, a lot of cheating, a lot of deceit, manipulation. And at the time, I was living this fairy tale where I was in I was engaged with this person from another country and we were traveling all around the world and life looked like this magical fairy tale that I was getting to travel all around and have these really grand experiences. And a lot of the people from back at home, South Louisiana, were living vicariously through me. And I had this, I had so many feels about, you know, the way that it showed up, the way that I showed the relationship forward facing. And, you know, on social media, when I would speak to friends and family and everything and how it was really unfolding behind the scenes. And when the relationship ended, it was one of the hardest things that I have have ever had to go through. I wound up leaving that relationship with a lot of debt, not knowing who I really was, not having really any faith in myself to continue doing the job on my own. And I'd been in that relationship for the whole career, my entire career up to that point, living on and working on ships. I didn't know how it was going to play out being a single woman. And when I started working for myself and by myself after that, I was scared and um, just nervous that I was going to fail. I didn't trust myself. There were so many, so many things that were at play. And then I hit a stride and I started making some money for myself and I started feeling good about my position. And then I saw, I'd say just after that, um, a wave of just mass insecurity. And so I hit a stride, thought I was doing okay. And then I, that led me to what I call a rock bottom. And I hit this rock bottom. I threw myself around in the gravel and then eventually I crawled my way up. But In the midst of hitting the rock bottom after this relationship ended, I what was at play for me was a lot of using my body to to feel valuable and I gained a lot of weight. So I'd say probably about 30 pounds throughout that time. So I gained quite a bit of weight. I just went deeper into depression, had a lot of anxiety. I turned to alcohol to help me cope with just feeling like I was lost. And when it came to interacting with people that I was, you know, attracted to, I just totally had no confidence. I was afraid that I was just going to make bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. 
So after that relationship ended, I hit my version of rock bottom. I actually wound up getting let go from one of the cruise lines that I worked on. So over the course of many years, I've worked on 19 different ships, five different cruise lines. One of them in particular, I was fired because I was breathalyzed. I was sleeping with one of my associates. I was the leader of my team or the the manager of my team. I was sleeping with one of my associates. We got really drunk one night at the crew bar and I walked back to my cabin and I threw a wet floor sign down the gangway, down the I-95. For anybody who has worked on ships, you'll know the language. And someone reported me. I got called in and was breathalyzed and was let go within a day, I believe, from that particular cruise line. And I went home and was on probation for my job and just kept thinking to myself, like, you got to get your shit together, Alexa. You have to get your fucking shit together. And it was a wake up call, like a a really harsh wake up call. And in me figuring out how to get my shit together, I started with health and fitness and the health and fitness and learning more about my body and nutrition and quitting alcohol for a while and starting to really heal my relationship with food and my body. That then led me to um, going into mindset work. I was consuming at one stage a personal development related book every couple of days, whether it was in print or it was an audiobook. A lot of times I had more than one going on at the same time. And I got bit by the personal development bug. I lost all the weight that I had put on and started getting my life together. I started getting, I started asking myself some really deep questions. What are you doing? What are you really doing? Not just in a shaming way, but my inner dialogue was like, what do you wish to create in the world? And what legacy do you really want to leave? And like, you know, yeah, you went through a really difficult, shitty situation and you are strong and you can get through this. So I, I, I started peeling back the layers. I started questioning a lot of the programming that was gifted to me as a, a young person from the deep south in Louisiana. I started looking at the way that I was traveling around the world with a more open mind and a more open heart, cultivating deeper relationships, not just with you know a deep relationship with myself, but a deep relationship with all of the people that I was interacting with. And life really started to change. I became a really great manager, you know, at least looking back, that's what it feels like. I don't know if my teams would say the same thing, but I believe that they would. I turned in, I evolved into a really great manager. Um, I loved the woman that I was becoming and I was making a lot of money. I was selling, you know, I was in, in luxury sales. I was selling in a very authoritative yet feminine way. I really felt like I'd hit a bit of a stride and the, the, the place that still felt sticky after I was on the rise, the place that still felt sticky was when I would interact with people that I was attracted to. So I had all this personal development stuff that was like helping me to grow as a person. And um, the one area where it just felt like, yeah, I, I wasn't quite there was when I would come face to face with someone who like I felt sexually attracted to or like, what could this be? And so I avoided interacting with men for a while. Instead, I interacted with women. So I had, um, (laughs) I guess I would call her a girlfriend for a little while when I was feeling very, I'm just not going to do this whole man thing for a little while. And so I had somebody that I was seeing um, relatively regularly at one point, but then eventually I had to come to terms with that. And like, what is going on here? 
You know, you can lose the weight, you can have the great mindset and you could run an amazing team, be an awesome manager, but you can't tell that person that, you know, you, you like, I turn into a 14 year old girl whenever I was in front of, you know, this particular person. And so I started getting curious about what's underneath there. How can I make all of this growth and development happen for myself and all these other areas of my life, but I can't do it with sex. I can't do it with, you know, a potential relationship. And so I started digging into that. I started um, reading books and having experiences with people where we were challenging notions of like consensual non-monogamy and polyamory and having multiple partners and all of that. And I would say that challenging my understanding of traditional relationships was really what started my opening up to possibilities within the realms of uh, romantic partnership, romantic relationship and sex. So eventually in my journey, when I was living on ships, I got onto a ship and I was really feeling myself at this point. I had started to challenge the notion of relationship and that gave me power. I didn't feel like the the traditional, this is how a relationship needs to unfold, that like whatever that means, it didn't have so, so much of a hold on me. So I operated with a bit more security within myself and feeling like, you know, all of this is temporary, is really in a sense temporary anyway. And I was moving around all of the time. And so started feeling quite a bit more secure with myself, lost the weight, had the great team, this, that, and the other, found my way onto a ship that would be a ship that I broke all kinds of personal and, and company records at that time. And yeah, just <laughs> the phrase is feeling myself for sure. And I remember going onto the ship and I remember being in the art gallery one day and this man came in to the gallery and I remember catching sight of him through the corner of my eye. And if you can hear snores right now, just so you know, little is in the podcast studio with me, just so you know, she's kind of always around. And for those of you who do not know little, she is my one-year-old French bulldog. <laughs> so she basically does, she basically lives her life snorting. So anyway, I remember I was in the art gallery and I caught out of the caught sight out of the corner of my eye, this man who had such a presence about him. And I remember he walked up to me, introduced himself, and there was just like clearly something there. And I remember feeling like I'm so hot shit, like he totally wants me. And I remember I was so happy that day because I had, you know, like this perfectly pressed, tight black pencil skirt and some kind of top that I had on with like a really... Um, sexy blazer. And I had my Louboutins on, you know, the red bottom shoes. So I had my Louboutins on, I had red lipstick that matched the, my shoes and I had my hair slicked back in a ponytail. And I remember I was just like, Oh, it just felt so good and felt so powerful. That person happened to be the staff captain of the ship. So he was like the vice president. So like power exuded from this person. He was responsible for all of the souls on board. And like, there's something that's so palpable about you know, somebody that has that much responsibility. And so I was totally like into the whole thing. So the rest of the day, he makes his exit. The rest of the day unfolds. And I remember, so Wi-Fi is spotty on a ship, but occasionally you can work it out to where you have internet connection. Most of the time you have to pay for it. But I remember later that evening after my workday was done, uh, getting a message in Facebook Messenger. And I don't remember exactly how the messaging went, but we were flirting with each other. 
He was sending me messages and we talked for a while. And then there was, you could see like when another person has, like when they're on connection or where they're off connection. So you can see like at that time within messenger, like the person responded or was on five minutes ago or 10 minutes ago, or that person is not available, something like that. And there came a point in time in our connection where he said, if I knew that we were going to talk this long, I would have just invited you to my cabin. And I remember responding with something kind of sassy, something to the effect of, you know, well, I'm a big girl. You could have done that. And his response was his cabin number. And then he went offline. And I remember sitting there with, oh, I think he wants me to go there. And like, I just fucking asked for this. Like I was being sassy, playing coy, doing this little dance throughout our interaction. And then he just like, okay, it's your move. Here's a cabin number. And I remember sharing with one of my friends on board this little unfolding. And she was like, no fucking way. He's so hot. You have to go. You have to go. And she, I remember she's from Macedonia. And she was just like, Lexi, my team at that time always called me Lexi. Lexi, you have to go. Get up. What are you still doing here? And um, so I was at the crew bar at that time. And so I left and I was hanging out with my team. I left and I went back to my cabin and I changed what I was wearing. And then I went up there and it was one of the boldest kind of moves. I think that I, I just felt like I was owning my shit. And I was like, Oh, this is so sexy. And like, I remember as it was unfolding, I was like, this is like the makings of an erotic novel already. And so I want, I went up to where the bridge area is and that's where his cabin was. And if you know anything about like cruise ships and cabins, they're very small, but if you are an officer, you have a suite. Usually if you're like one of those high up officers. So I went where the bridge was. I just felt like a lot of power up there. And I remember walking up to the door and the door was on the latch. So it couldn't all the way close. So a little bit, a little bit wedged open. And I opened the door and like the lights were really dim. And there's like a little foyer kind of leading into the rest, like the main part of the cabin. And I remember walking through the door and the lights were kind of dim. And he walked up to me. And stood very tall and stood right, you know, right in front of me and looked down at me. And the first thing he said was get on your knees. And I remember just like reacting on the inside, just like, you know, for this empowered woman, the first thing was like, okay, I'll get on my knees. But then the second wave was, wait, hang on. No. <laughs> you know, you, you can't tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. And I'm going to play a role in this. And I remember looking up to him and saying something to the effect of say, please. So I now look back at this and go, oh, well, I was being a bit bratty. So I said, you know, I'm from the South and I appreciate manners. And so if you want me on your knees, you're going to have to say, please. And I remember eventually we went back and forth for a moment. And then he said, fine, please. And I did. And how the rest of that evening went, when I look back on it, I, I still feel holy shit. 
And I tell this story every now and then to, you know, to my girlfriends or when I do like sexy kind of storytelling at some of my events and like retreats and stuff. And it always, it always has people kind of like, oh, it's so good. Or like sitting on the edge of their seat. And my executive assistant, Bryn, she, she actually inspired me to even tell this story publicly. So because I've told it to her before and she's like, you have to tell that story at some point. So anyway, um, I did get on my knees and, and we were still in the foyer of this man's cabin. And I remember when I first took him into my mouth, I remember just being like, what the fuck are you doing? Why do you like this so much? This man's practically a stranger. And I especially remember the moment where he very delicately, but authoritatively put his hands on the back of my head, which before this, if any man ever touched the back of my head and there was any kind of oral sex happening, I, it was an immediately, oh, no, you don't do that. Like, no fucking way. This isn't about, you know, you're not in control kind of thing. But it was the way that he did it. I felt like he was really, truly reading my body and my cues. And clearly, this man had done, had been in this game for a while. He knew what he was doing. And thank goodness, looking back on all this, thank goodness, this person is such a good person because I could have had an experience with someone who wasn't like to the core, a really great person. And so I'm going to share a little bit more of like my um, insights into all of this a little bit later. So just follow along with me for the story. So he put his hands on the back of my head. I remember him giving me cues. And I remember there being a moment where he pushed to the point where I gagged. And I remember the moment where he released and let me breathe. And I remember how good I felt. And I remember the instructions in the good girl. And I remember being pet on my head and being told, look up at me and being told you're so beautiful. And I remember going back and being gagged again, essentially, until the, until the tears were coming down my face where he complimented the tears. And now the sex geek in me is like, oh, he was, he was hitting my vagal nerve. No wonder I was experiencing in this like really wild way, deep release, deep satiation, deep relaxation. And it was just done so masterfully. And I remember he eventually did that a few times. I was totally relaxed. And then he invited me to any pause between everything, giving me an opportunity to have my out, which I see that now. And I'm just like, wow, yes, very masterfully done. He invited me to the room and, um, you know, sex wasn't even on the table at first. It was just like an invitation to all these different things and instruction, lay down here, do this thing there. And I was with it the whole time. And then he wound up putting me in a position and doing things with my body that I had no idea I could even fucking do. And I used to think at this time that this whole idea of squirting was like this like unicorn thing that like some women could do that, but others couldn't. And yeah, I just, I thought that it was something that I'd had enough sex by then. And if I was going to squirt, then I would have done it already. And I remember him at one stage, laying me down, putting me into some kind of position, doing more of the kind of soothing instructional discipline 
with me. And then within 30 to 60 seconds, I remember squirting all over the place. And I remember being so put off, like not put off, but alarmed that that had happened. And I remember him catching my eyes and saying, oh, that was your first time. I'm going to do it again. Ugh! it was just, it just was. And that was our first interaction. And after that was done, he tucked me in, tucked me into his bed. It was so sweet. Woke up. He had a very early call to go to work in the morning, told me, and if I remember correctly, it was something about like told me what was available if there was juice or some kind of snack that was in the fridge. Like he laid it all out before he left and then trusted me, left me in his room. And then I remember the next morning going back to my cabin going, what the, what in the fuck just happened? What just happened? And our relationship was so like, I just get feels just talking about it because we knew from the get go, you know, more and more conversations ensued after that night. We knew that we were not going to be each other's forever. We had different things going on in our lives. He was going to be leaving that ship in the not too distant future. We just, yeah, we, we were not in a position to be in a relationship long-term, but we went into a relationship with each other, just knowing those things and letting them be. And I feel so fortunate to this person. I still have a relationship now. I talk about him every so often, even to my current partner and Yeah, just the role that he played in my life and the mark that he left is so special. The relationship continued after that. He showed me different scenes. There was at one stage um, I came in, (laughs) I came into his cabin and he told me that he had a gift for me. He told me to put out my wrist. He put a cuff on it. And I remember my eyes getting wide thinking, oh, shit. Then he said, great, great thing is that there's a matching one for your other wrist. And he grabbed my, you know, asked for me to give him my other wrist and put that on there. And he said, you know what? Even better is that there's two more for your ankles. And he had had the whole room rigged with red lighting. And I remember, and that was the first night that I had any experience with bondage. So there was, you know, he had blindfolded me. He had ordered toys to the ship. There was this whole system that he'd put underneath the bed underneath the mattress. um, And I was exposed to bondage. I was exposed to sensory play. Just the way that these different scenes would be set up, the uh, mind fuckery ahead of time. I remember being in the midst of it going like, I can never turn back. I can't turn back. Once I know what is available, I can't not unsee this. I can't not you know, un, I can't unfeel these feelings um, of like sweet surrender of just like, this is so taboo. And like, what the fuck did we just do? But then I would leave and I would just be so relaxed. So like not pent up like aggression or anything like that. And later did I realize that This was the makings of a BDSM relationship. Now, the way that I would go into a DS relationship now is different to then. This was a me from maybe I was 26, 27 years old at the time. And I didn't know, you know, conversations about negotiation. I didn't know how to lead those kinds of conversations. I know that now. And that's why I say that I'm so grateful to this person because from from where I stand now, I look back on it and it's just appreciation and gratitude. And while he didn't, you know, start out with here's a consent conversation or here's a didn't have a plan or anything, it unfolded in a very natural, organic, loving way. 
And like I said, so much gratitude. And really from that point on, when that relationship wound up ending, I went through a a bit of a, a bout of depression because all sex after that was just not really appealing to me. I longed for that relationship. I longed for the mind fuckery. I longed for the presence and, and all of that. And I had no idea how I had come to find it then. And I had no idea how I was going to find it after that. But I got really curious. So I started looking these things up. He would take me through something and then I would look it up. And that's what led me to the acronym BDSM in the first place. And all of this just kept unfolding. I was reading Sex at Dawn and then I read The Ethical Slut and then I shifted that to The Ultimate Guide to Kink and and different things. And so I just like gave myself permission to start getting more information. And the sex nerd in me was just like, whoa. And I'm fascinated by psychology and just how did this happen? So got gave myself a lot of permission there to be as fully curious as I possibly could be about what was happening in my life and what, like, what did this mean? What did it all mean? What did it all mean about me? Just all of it. And so that is my personal story. And one that I can say, you know, as I was sharing it, I'm sure you could feel like the energy inside of me is just like, oh, going to tell this is charged. Like, I don't know if I've ever written about it. I don't know if I've ever said it really publicly, but every now and then I communicate with this person who introduced me to DS. They tell him like, one day I'm going to write a book about you because you are a kinky fuck. And everything about you coming into my life was an erotic novel. And all I have to do is recount it play by play and it'd be a bestseller. So, and he laughs. So Maybe one day that will happen. And I have like this fantasy of sorts where it's called The Captain, you know, because it feels very cliche and like an erotic novel. (laughs) So the relationship with this person wound up ending and my sex curiosity eventually, you can tell, led me to where I am now as a sex coach. I never stopped. I never stopped giving myself to be giving myself permission to be curious and gaining more information. So I want to talk about quickly the the pros that I felt after um, after a scene or even after, you know, our relationship wound up coming to a close and just point this out is that at my life at this time when this first relationship was unfolding, like I mentioned before, it was a lot of curiosity. I gave myself you know permission to have. I had a level of confidence I'd never experienced before in myself and in my work. Life felt peaceful. I was doing really, really well in my job. And it translated to being a better manager and it translated to being better at sales. I felt as though I was radiating from the inside out um, this sense of peace and knowing and this feeling of like home within my body that I don't think I'd ever felt before up to that point. And so next thing that I like to share with you is you know, what really made these things great experiences just to point these things out the, from the Dom perspective, the person who is the dominant role. Um, so for him, what made it so impactful was ultimate presence. He gave me his ultimate presence when we would go into some kind of scene together. And it was as if he put his desires on the back burner and everything was about the journey that he was taking me on. It was as if his pleasure was derived from where he could take me. 
and how well he could read me and my body. From the submissive perspective, that was me. What I did in the midst of all of this was that I trusted him. And there was something innate about our connection and the way that we communicated and the way that we were with each other that I trusted him fully. I trusted him with my mind and I trusted him with my body. And I think he knew that he could take me to to various places because I gave that trust. I listened intently. So when he told me to do something, I knew that it was for a reason. And so, um, you know, guidance and telling me to look at certain things or breathe in a certain way or do certain positions or whatever, I knew that it was for a reason. And so I listened and acted intently and I bathed in the deliciousness of submission, especially to the discipline. So just a little bit about the roles and what was that play? Of course, there was so much, but this is, you know, recounting a memory. That's what comes up for me for sure. So another thing that I want to point out is that what helped to create the safety is that there, there was always a lot of questions that were asked between the two of us and there was really deep communication. And while there wasn't a formal, let's talk about consent conversation, there was a lot of you know, after a scene would be done, then there would be questions that would be asked by him of like what I liked and what I didn't like and just different things. And he would take those things into account when he would create the next thing. Um, What helped with the safety was his confidence. And I think that that confidence came from many years. He was much older than me. And so it came from many years of practice. Um, So his confidence and his superb space holding abilities, So he could hold the container for whatever I was going through. And I tell you, some of the hottest moments were probably when I was strapped to something and then left for a few minutes with like music playing or something. And then I was returned to. And I just remember, you know, feelings either whether it be some kind of impact or some kind of sensation or some kind of thing that would have happened between us. He would always always follow that with something so gentle and loving. And the counter of those dynamics was so just, oh, I can't even tell you what that would do to my nervous system. So good. So for some of you might hear this story, you might be fanning yourself a little like, oh, gosh, that's kind of hot or just curious in some way about what I was describing. You know, I, I've touched on this a bit here and there is that, you know, this looking back, thank goodness this was all done in a way that that I was celebrated, that the relationship was really well. We had great communication and all of that because I didn't know what I was getting into and it could have it could have been bad. And for a lot of people, somebody, you know, who is impressionable interacting with a person who knows what they're doing and knows how to manipulate and knows how to coerce, like it could be bad. And so I just want to mention, you know, what to look out for. So if it's like, oh, I'm curious about this and I want to have these more kind of kinkier, edgy experiences, there's some things that you can look out for. And so I recommend that you do diligence and you do your work and you read the books and I'm going to give you some action stuff to take away from this episode in a little while. But Google red flags and BDSM. It's pretty simple. Just Google what are red flags and get familiar um, with what other people will say. Like these are some red flags, but just a few of them are pressure to perform or to do certain acts that you don't want to do, basically. Um, Lack of consent. So you didn't say yes to that thing or the person is boundary pushing and not in a great way. 
You know, I'm all about personally, I'm like, yeah, I love to come up to my edges and I know where my edges are. And these are the ones that you have permission to, to push up against. But when someone feels like they're putting pressure on another to go past certain edges, red flag. Someone being a bully versus being a dominant. Fear is really hot in sex, specifically. But if you are afraid, literally, of the person that is doing the thing, that's not good. That person is using fear as a tool to be a bully, not to be a dominant. And so just want to throw that out there, too, is that dominance and aggression are not the same thing. So someone who's ignoring your safe words. And so if you don't have a safe word, I would say choose something like the color system, red, yellow, green. So red means stop. Everything must stop. Yellow means I'm getting close. I'm on the verge of red. And then green is keep going, keep going, keep going. So, um, yeah, have your safe word. And if you are interacting with anyone that that ignores it, then, of course, red flag. And so someone who you that might ignore it is that if you go to have a conversation about safe words with that person and they say, oh, we don't work with safe words or some crazy thing like that. And of course, coercion and manipulation that you have not given consent to. So everything that I've mentioned as a red flag, if you do it with consent, can be really hot. But if it's not done with consent, then red flags. Don't do, don't engage, don't have seen with any of those types of people. Okay. So you're inspired by my story. Maybe possibly. You are curious about BDSM or creating some unique scenes within your own sex life. Because there's never, you know, now is better than ever. So if you want to create some kind of sexy, erotic, edgy, you know, kind of DS infused scene, and it's with a partner that you've been with for a really long time, the the world is your oyster. (laughs) You can have anything that you want in your sex life. And now is a great time, right? If not now, when? So where can you turn to learn more? Here are some action items you can choose or you can do it all. (laughs) The first thing that I'll recommend is reading the books that are about DS or about um, kink. And so my first recommendation, playing well with others. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode two is The Ultimate Guide to Kink. Those are two books that I would recommend to get started with. Loved listening to both of them on Audible. So dig into those. Um, One that I don't have on my little list here that I'll throw out is Urban Tantra. I really love the practices that are in Urban Tantra as well. So playing well with others, The Ultimate Guide to Kink, and I'll throw in Urban Tantra as well. Another thing that you can do to get the wheels turning to determine what you might even be into when it comes to BDSM, because it is a large umbrella and there's so many possibilities. So what might you be into? You know, I don't really like a lot of impact play. And I would only know that because I've asked myself a lot of questions and I've played around with impact play and that kind of thing. But when I first got started, I would have no idea. Like I wouldn't know what I would maybe be into. So you can take something, you can take a quiz called the BDSM test. So if you go to BDSMtest.org, it's a little dark and a little um, edgy and kind of eerie. It almost looks Halloween-ish whenever you go to it. It says, what kind of sexual deviant are you? But it's really effective. So take the BDSM test and it will tell you what kind of kink you might be into. And it even gives descriptions of 
what your results are. So if you wind up a rope bunny, then it'll say rope bunnies are oftentimes our rope bunnies are paired with riggers. Riggers like to tie people up. Rope bunnies like to get tied. So it'll like give you the language and who you would be partnered with. You know, maybe you're a mommy daddy or you're a little boy, little girl, and you'd be partnered together. A daddy takes care of, you know, his submissive and the submissive has more of like a youthful kind of I need daddy to take care of me kind of, you know, air to it. Some people consider that one a little bit on the fringe, but it's becoming more and more common not to be confused with a fetish of pedophilia or anything like that. Totally different things. I'm all about daddy dom, little girl submissive kind of play. I find that very healing and very rewarding personally. So maybe you'll take the quiz and it'll say you're a pet and then you belong to an owner or maybe you know, you're a master or there's so many different things, an exhibitionist or a voyeur. And so it describes all those things. So you can take the BDSM test at BDSMtest.org. Another option for those of you who are very growth mindset oriented, where you hear something, you're excited by it, you're curious about it, you feel a fast moving energy and you you want to be on to the next thing. So those of you who have a growth oriented mindset, do a workshop go to a workshop, go learn to tie, go into like bondage 101 or go into kink 101. Or, you know, if you are starting at the ground level, go give yourself permission to go immerse yourself in the environment and see how you feel. Um, so some of the workshops that I've been a part of, one that I've done twice now is Tantra meets BDSM with Lori Handlers and Omer Pani. I consider them both mentors of mine. I went through it once with my current partner and then Jordan and I did it Again, we did the same level one Tantra BDSM again, and it was completely different the second time around. It was so hot. I have thoroughly enjoyed leaning into my curiosity and my love and my desire and the things that I can't unknow about myself and BDSM. And then I have this partner that when we originally went into our relationship, he is like as vanilla and as like regular, regular white guy, vanilla monogamous. Like he was so the opposite of me. And so like, how, how do we interact? It's, it's very colorful and it takes effort. And so I have so loved pulling apart and deconstructing what went into me discovering my love for DS and his role in it is like, he was completely new to all of this. So him even forging a curiosity for it has been really beautiful to see and him leaning into his more dominance or him leaning into even more submission. Like it's just been really amazing to put ourselves in these immersive containers where we have permission to learn more and to interact with each other in a unique way. So Tantra BDSM is really awesome. Ohm also does something called the masterfully submissive woman, Um, and you know what, we have a friend of ours who at one stage in his relationship, him and his partner do something called a relationship sabbatical where they take time away from each other and they, you know, just spend some time. They go to different, maybe they go on different trips and they just go on kind of a little solo adventure for a week or two. And on one of their relationship sabbaticals, he hired a dominatrix and did regular sessions, multiple sessions with her to learn. This is really important to learn what it is like to submit so that he could then learn how to properly dom. So pretty incredible. So maybe that's where your growth mindset gears towards and you find someone and you support one of your local sex workers who is a dominant and is a pro dom and you can pay that person to teach you their ways. So you can read the book, take the quiz, do the workshop, hire the professional, whatever you'd like. Maybe even 
uh, at the next round of Sex and Love Academy, you sign up for that or you enroll to be one of the students. You know, I run that a few times every year. And so there's a wait list. If you are not on that wait list, if we're not enrolling now, then just contact me, contact me, find me online, get on the wait list so that you can um, see that information because BDSM and this whole world, I go into that throughout the, the journey through Sex and Love Academy. So you have options. And so if you're feeling curious, and I say stoke that fire of curiosity and yeah, take one more step in the direction of epic sex and a deeply fulfilling relationship. So that's it, y'all. My story, plus some ways you can craft the next adventure on yours. I hope you enjoyed this episode of That Sex Podcast. Please, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a five-star review. Not four, not three, not two, not one. If you really enjoyed it, leave five. And let me know what was your favorite part as your review. I'm loving you more than you'll ever know. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.